0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. Uh, I'm joining you just after watching Mark and Gabby's wedding video, nearly crying. So if I'm a bit emotional, you know why. It's not because I'm sad because we keep losing basketball games. How's it going, Mark?
1: Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm glad, you, glad the wedding video has made you so emotional considering you've officially now watched it before I have, which is so weird.
0: That that is odd. Although in in both of our defences, we were both there, so we probably
1: remember what happened. Yeah, that's a a valid point. Anyway, you don't sound too croaky, so let's get through this before any of the memories come flooding back and you get all choked up.
0: Yeah, I I love the idea that we were talking about, like, coming into a podcast with a cold open, and I was like, no, we can't do that. What I can do is say, hello, welcome, and then just
1: talk nonsense. (laughs) That I can do. That's why we're here what oh, sorry, here. start like you mean to go on yes um, okay so sure we do I mean to go on yeah we're recording this on Sunday night uh, there's been a ton of basketball games I had a phone call earlier today demanding to know where the roundup podcast was because a mutual friend of ours wanted it for their drive to or from their own basketball game so I would say that's progress, but I feel like when it's one of the people you know is a dedicated listener anyway, it probably yeah. doesn't make a huge amount of difference. I don't
0: I don't know if you can quantify like popularity of a podcast in increasing demand if it's actually just the intensity of one man's demand. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that doesn't count, like more people wanting it a normal amount is what you need. Yeah. Like, you don't want one person being like, I am now angry that I don't have
1: this. Like but that's not- maybe this yeah. is maybe this is how we figure out um how we're actually getting anywhere what percentage of people who listen to podcasts do you think have one of our phone numbers
0: oh god um i would say previously it was like 95
1: yeah i would say it might be less than 50
0: now. 93 <laughs> no like now 55 maybe yeah
1: I, i'd go probably just over half or how many people could probably get a message to us by like one degree of separation if they really wanted to? Oh, like, everyone. Yeah. Like everyone. But that's like anyone,
0: even if we got everyone who ever cares about wheelchair basketball to listen. Yeah. That's true for all of them. Yeah, like that. That we're is- in a sport that like the highest level of like negotiations between player and team goes on in like Facebook messenger most <laughs> of the time. Like. You know, like it's not, none of this is real or that, important. That's one
1: th- one thing we should have asked Yannick yesterday, actually, going you know, yesterday, last time we recorded um, when he was talking about how it's kind of the most professional setup and everything. And he's like, you should always do that. If you get this offer, you should do it for at least one year, even if that's all it is. <laughs> it's like, do you still get the negotiation through Facebook Messenger? I really wonder if that happens. I'm sure they didn't yeah it might have been whatsapp to be fair it's something that it's owned by facebook like although that is like everything now. like yeah what, if it what was happens if facebook was to go down what would happen to the wheelchair basketball transfer market oh god i don't know carrier got, pigeons got te- got teams like just tweeting publicly be like at hey such and such we'll give you this much
0: yeah what do you think <laughs> we,
1: we really need it now um <laughs>
0: But anyway, yeah. Should we move? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Games we really care about first, last, or in the order that they show up in front uh, of us.
1: Uh we'll rattle through a few. There's actually quite a lot of relatively close games, but we'll rattle through some of the um some of the less close to our heart ones early on, I think. Yeah. Cool. Okay, you can choose. Okay, let's do it. So we'll get this one out of the way. Zuzanak and Viadolid was one of the early games. You probably didn't catch any of this because you'll have been warming up, etc. Yes. Is that right? Um, I did not catch any of it. You were right. Yeah. So I
0: caught a,
1: good, caught a good chunk of this. Um, Zuzanak looked... I don't know if this is like a matchups thing or if I just haven't figured them out, but Zuzanak looked at least competent enough to cause some trouble. I think that might be a reflection of Vitalid not being as middle of the table this year as they always seem to have been in the whole time we've followed the Spanish League. Yeah. Uh, but this was like a two-point game with about four or five minutes left. Um, it ended 66-61 with a lead win. So I guess it wasn't that far off a two-point game. But yeah, um, it took Vidalid winning the fourth quarter by five to pull out a five-point win. So pretty close game overall. Um, Adrian Perez was the big and a contributor in this one from what I say he was eight from 14. They had a couple of good maxi Ruggeri eight from 14 and Yelma van a shot, eight from 15. They're kind of the three guys I think we touched on last week when we were like, if I lid are going to have any chance, probably these three need to take 70% of their shots and make half of them. And that's basically yeah. what they did. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Got it done. So shout out to those guys. Um, yeah, not a great there's a, there's deal. From, a guy, sorry, go on. So there's a guy I've
0: just seen um, showing up on Via the Lead Stats whose name I have not seen before, who played 40 minutes. Andrew yeah, Westley. Yeah, yeah, it's funny that it's, it says Westley Andrew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not 100% sure who he is. He was there in the game. He was all right. Um yeah, like you said, they had a pretty short rotation. They had four guys play 40 minutes and then two ones split 20 minutes each. Um, yeah, he was okay. I'm not 100% sure where they found him from, but Viably do seem to do this where they, every now and then, they're like, uh, we have no lineup flexibility. Shall we pull in like a random mid that nobody's really that aware of and see if we get some good stuff out of him? I think they've done it with... They had an Iranian two-five last year that effectively yeah. did the same thing.
0: He's a four, Mark. He's a four. He's not a mid. You're going to get abused for calling a four a mid. Again. Uh, correction section.
1: Um. Oh yeah, yeah. Yelma's a junior, isn't he? So I have an extra. I was doing the maths in my head. I forgot. Yelma. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um. I've got a correction section moment for you coming up actually, but we'll get to that. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Zuzanak side, not a great deal. Jose leap and. They have that double amp, relatively young guy Ruben Vizo, who tends to put points up, it kind of by default. Um, yeah. So those guys carried them enough to keep it close, but I think finally just have like Maxi Ruggieri is probably the most cookie cutter two point five ball handler in the world, but that might be enough to get it done in a close game against a team that doesn't have enough scoring.
0: Yeah, Maxi's always
1: like pretty
0: good. Yeah. Like he's he's real small, which is kind of what gives him problems yeah like, but no he 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 can get it done man like as you say like
1: ended up it from 14 <laughs> yeah no like, eight uh, from 14 in the game that goes to 66 like yeah uh, i think we've had the same conversation about him a couple of times where we've both been like i'm not sure if he's good or not and then there's almost always a game where he is <laughs> oh, Yeah, fair enough yeah
0: he's no he's always he's always pretty good
1: He's, yeah, he, like he
0: kind of he is—he's deniable in a way that like that sort of top level of guys are just gonna like get theirs, and like I've seen him be shut down by like really good teams. But yeah, he's—he's he's good, man. Yeah, been doing it for years. Like he's been—you know what I mean? You get like not much to say about someone who's been knocking around for I don't even know how long in Europe.
1: Yeah, no, he's been—he's been all over the place. To be fair, he's done Italy, Germany, and Spain at least once each. Probably more than that. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. We'll move on from that one because we're probably picking the bones at this point. Yes, it's it seems like it. So we had a one point game, which I was not expecting to be any fun to watch at all. And it actually was.
0: Yeah, there was a good one, wasn't it? I actually stuck it on so because I was like, what is happening?
1: <laughs> um, what yeah, I, I was mean? like, I need to go and see what's going on here. I'm I monologue um, the last one. So you take this one. You what, sorry? I monologued the last game, so you take this one. Uh, Yeah, so Mercia 75,
0: Burgos 74. Um, It's kind of the thing that we we say a lot about Urcia, where they've kind of got three guys taking a lot of the shots. Um, We've got um, Robles 7 from 16, Beatriz, uh, Zuliare 5 from 8, um Lalo Preto nine from 18. And a couple other guys chipping in with you know five from seven, zero from two, two from two. Um, other side of the ball, matchack 13 from 18. Are we just gonna come on here and be like yeah. matchack with 20 something in a loss? Like um <laughs> Lee Fryer, nine from sixteen. Pretty good game from him. Um yeah, man, didn't really um Martin had it on though, seven from sixteen. Sorry, they didn't really get much help from anywhere else, but yeah. Having three guys doing most of the work and other people chipping in is kind of like it's, it's kind of what it is. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, it's kind it's, of what happens. It's uh, been basically the formula for any team that's not uh, anyone outside of the like top contenders. It's basically like, can we get three guys to carry it and two people to chip in? Yeah. Um, did you Did you watch any of this? Yeah. Yeah. I caught. I think almost the entire first half, apart from jumping around, um, checking the scores of the other games. And then I jumped back into bits and pieces of this when your guys' stream was glitching out. Um, so I saw enough of the game to know what was going on. I didn't see the final couple of minutes, which is obviously when it was decided. Um, but yeah, I've had a look at the play-by-play, and it was basically, it was a one-point game right down to the... Right down to the wire more or less. And yeah. I it was it Zuda who hit the winner at the end. I yeah, think. yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. She
0: cashed one from the middle, like she has been doing. Their offense is fairly like um two-man game with Lalo and Robles, Keketevea, who will just get it up there and it will it will go approximately half the time. And yeah. it, it, it went with God, how long left? Not very long. Let yeah, me try a handful of seconds. Uh yeah, like literally 45 seconds, like two plays before the end of the game. Um, yeah, Adon though had a decent look to tie it, but no. As in could have had a decent look and then it ended up not being yeah, not being that 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 decent of a look. And then yeah, I think Lee had a pretty good game, and it's cool to see Lee Fryer flying up and down and doing whatever he wants and I think having a galic like matchek with him is probably good for him and yeah, yeah.
1: So, some of the um I, I saw it a couple of times in the first half but some of the Lee and matchek two on one fast breaks are like Lee careering around and then dumps it to matchek at the last second and matchek like has finished some impossible layups where he's been like throwing the ball with the defender already closing on him. Uh, I wonder if Lee's ever going like, to land in a different situation with a different one or one five. And someone's going to have to be like, hey, you can't just heave the ball at this guy and expect him to finish off at 75%. Like.
0: Being like, I promise you, this isn't what one fives do. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, not everyone's able to do this, man. But yeah, it's fun. Like, I, I kind of did the opposite of you where I was just, I had that game on in the background.
1: And then with about four
0: minutes left, I was like, oh, okay. That was cool, man.
1: It's um I think it's like one of the one of the maybe not strengths of the Spanish League, but I think it shows the depth of the Spanish League that you can get two of the kind of bottom tier teams. And while like the numbers might suggest it would be close because they're probably relatively even with each other, there's plenty of games between two bottom-tier teams that wouldn't be as much fun as this one was. Like this didn't feel like a slog at all. Like how how often does a a ninth tenth game, for example, end up being 75, 74. Yeah, that was the thing. I was gonna say, like,
0: it's like and a lot of those games, it's like, oh, this is a very, very weird. Like both teams shoot 36%. But no, like 51 and 55 percent respectively, man. Like yeah. they'll get it done. Like, and obviously there's something to be said about like like different a different level of defense being played, but yeah, it was a fun game, man. Like, if you've got enough guys that can put the ball in the hole, guys and girls that can put the ball in the hole, going up and down the floor both ways, like, yeah, it's it was sure. fun. Yeah. De- decent pace, high enough clip shooting. Yeah, it was a good game, man. Any close game, like, also, like, it's way less fun, but even a game that ends, like, 48, 47 is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, definitely. At least the last minute or two, but I'm so glad it wasn't that.
1: Yeah. It's the, um in the 70s. Unfo- we've been making jokes the last two weeks about me always backing Burgos, and I can't believe they didn't pull this one out <laughs> at the very least. Yeah, I know. I thought really thought I was onto one here. Um, shall we do it's doubling down? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think if we were doubling down, I would be about octupled down at this point. Yes. Uh, should we do Malaga and Vigo? Uh, yes. How much of this did you watch? Uh, I think I caught the majority of this. Again, I skipped out when your game started, and then skipped back in when they wouldn't let me watch your game.
0: Oh uh, yes, our <laughs> game was the uh, the the stream was was interesting. It was interrupted by potentially aliens. Apparently, <laughs> in our Instagram in, in our in our Instagram DMs it might have been aliens. Yeah. Okay. Sources say. Um, has it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But- Abdi doing Abdi things with 21 points, 10 from 19. Yeah. that's uh, Keeping it going, 17. Not as good as he's been in the last couple of
1: weeks, obviously. But, yeah, 17's not bad. I think um, Cosarino has been big for them the last few weeks as well and really, really didn't shoot the ball well this time. It was three from 12. But I think all three of the ones he hit were pretty impactful in terms of momentum or like putting them a couple of points ahead when they or I think there was even one where he got dumped the ball under the basket missed it gathered his own rebound and put it back in with a foul and that was when it was about a five-point game so yeah he kind of stuck it out through the um through the struggles but it's I mean he's new on the scene in Spain but I think I was relatively surprised to see him struggle shooting because he seemed pretty knocked down from every other game I've seen of his so far.
0: Yeah, he's kind of didn't start off great and then obviously had one good game when, when it really mattered to us yeah. specifically. <laughs> he didn't actually,
1: you know what I mean? Like He he, he had that big one against El union wasn't it? Because he heard you say Malaga couldn't um, stick it to one of the top teams. I don't think he listens to this. Uh, he might do. Probably not.
0: Um, Probably he's um that that was enough to get those guys to 60 and Vigo only ended up with 52. Um, Fabian Romo seven from 12. alejo's five from 13. Um, kind of just that's and twos and twos and fours from everyone else. Two players on 18 and everyone else in single figures. Yeah, it's um when you have like seven guys, that's not getting it done. If everyone else is in single figures and you have twelve players, it might get you somewhere. But
1: yeah, this is um the big the big stat on this one is Vigo. I was just looking because we talk about Romo and Alarcos's shot attempts a lot as kind of Vigo's barometer. So mm-hmm. they got twenty five shots up between them out of only forty seven to- total shots for Vigo. Yeah, and. Malaga got seventy-two shots up. Yeah, which seems massively. Um, I'm, I struggle with these Spanish box scores because all the initials for the categories are different, so you uh, might eleven
0: turnovers. Yeah, and however,
1: Malaga had twelve turnovers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, offensive rebounds eleven. Uh, eleven to two offensive rebounds. But that's uh, still, there you go. That's that still only good. nine possessions. I don't know where those shots came from. Um, weird man but yeah so also
0: considering we do a podcast once a week based mostly on what looking at stats in a league where the stats aren't reliable (laughs) is not great but yeah
1: well people didn't need to know that but i guess you've said it out loud now (laughs) um i have said it out loud you're correct so yeah i mean this was that was really it if vigo are only going to get 47 shots up that kind of instantly puts a cap on how many their top couple of shot takers are going to take. And as we've said before, 25 25 combined shots from those guys isn't going to get it done in any example we've seen so far. No. Also, shout out to Rodrigo Perez from Malaga playing 18 minutes and being plus 18 in the plus minus column. Oh, legend. Love that. They should definitely lean on that lineup a bit more. If he'd have played 40 minutes, they'd have won by 40. It's quick mad. I like it. Thanks. Um it's probably, Pro- probably probably about as reliable as these stats. Right, shall we shift on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what do you want to go to next? Uh what have we got next? Do we
0: have to?
1: Yeah, I think we probably. Oh, we've got Illunio. last S. Laz Rosas. We'll hammer this one out, then we'll get into the juice. Into the juice. Yeah, big game from Bill Man. Yeah, this one was actually. I turned this on at halftime and it was not close, but it was Illunion by what 12 at half time, I think. It is did we say Alunion 70, Las Rosas 41? Because we should have and all and have now. We have now. <laughs> um yeah. It was like twelve at halftime and it was kind of like looked like a typical game where the stronger team comes in and like, hey, don't worry, we'll we'll roll this one, and then it takes a little while to get going. Yeah. And that's never a great feeling when you're only up like a relatively small amount at halftime. But Illunion evidently did get it rolling because they pushed it out to a forty one seventy difference. Yeah. Uh Bill with 28 points, 24 rebounds,
0: <laughs> um, which is quite nuts. Greg with 22 and 9. Yeah. Um, 24 rebounds is preposterous, man. 7 offensive rebounds. They don't have the size to do with someone like Bill at all, yeah. man. No, that's um, fair. Yeah. Just, Big especially it if they're... Seem like...
1: Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, especially if they're out chasing Greg around, which the Illusion were running the double screen for Greg on the weak side a lot. So it yeah. was like swing the ball over to Greg and then the guy who was the highest in the three-man defensive stack chasing all the way out over the top and getting dragged baseline. So I guess that's re- offensive rebound opportunities galore if you're pulling the defense that far out of position. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I, at the start of this game, it was kind of just
0: like Alunion struggling to get going a little bit. I think there was a little bit of like I was watching it and I didn't have sound on, but there were kind of like a couple of weird calls from the refs that I think they were kind of focusing on. Um, seemed a bit fuming. And I think that probably kind of slowed them down a little bit rather than like just being like, all right, let's go. Let's blow them out here. But yeah, um, Las Rosas, who have only specifically played the good teams, unfortunately, <laughs> seem to just like hang around for a half. And then the sort of difference in quality really does show.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. Definitely. Like there was a little bit of like weird calls from refs and people being a bit human and whatever. And it was, you could uh, I think there was a bit of I don't know what it was. Like as I say, I have no idea. But I think that kind of holds the better team back yes. in a scenario yeah. like this. Yeah. When it's like, okay. hey, if we just play basketball, we can probably blow them out. But as I say, I don't know. I also complained to refs and stuff. So <laughs> <it>?
1: <laughs> I um I did see on this. On this one, Illunion build this on either their Twitter or their Instagram. I can't remember. It's the Madrid derby. And it's like, hey, come on, guys. <laughs> like, This is, yes, technically is. you're in the same geographical location. Other than that, there's not a whole lot of similarities leading to competition between these two teams. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, you're like, Adobe, geographically, yeah. But <laughs> also, like, yeah,
0: you got to push stuff like that. Um, yeah,
1: no, no, I get it. I I wonder it. I mainly wondered if whoever was pushing that from Millenium side was kind of like yeah, I don't feel good about this. But they got the win so I'm sure they're not thinking about it too hard. If they'd have pushed it like that and then lost, they might have been like why did we do this to ourselves?
0: Oh yeah, of course. But yeah, if you do anything like that and you lose, you're going to you got to be open to being to getting cloned, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um cool. anything worth
1: saying on last side? No, um I didn't really understand at the start of the season why Kano had gone there. Um, he'd obviously been at Malaga, who weren't great, but were like scrappy enough to be semi competitive on most games. And he seemed to have plumped for being on a less competitive team. But he's like getting it done as much as they can realistically hope for. So good for him. Yeah, he's in another
0: all right game there. Like six from yeah. 11, three from six, free throws, 15 points. Yeah, not bad. Stuff, man. Like, you're never going to, you're not going to bring the win in a
1: game like this. Although I said that about Malaga. Like,
0: <laughs> it, you're not going to get bad stuff. So,
1: so now you've plumped for saying they're not going to bring the win after they've already lost, just to keep yourself safe. Yes.
0: Yeah. I, I won't put myself out there. I've sat on the fence so much that I stay on the fence until after things have happened, just to. <laughs> I like that.
1: Cool. Yeah, that's all from me on that game. All right.
0: Will we talk about my game and then we'll go to the one that happened this morning, which was real interesting? Let's do it. Okay. So we lost to Madiba 75 67. Um yeah, first quarter, they just blew us out of the water, man. 25-9. Um then we pivoted to four big. And Mariana Perez and nearly brought it all the way back. We were up five at one point with a couple of minutes to go, and then just kind of couldn't hold on, which is sad. But yeah, yeah. uh Mediva Mediva were pretty good for large parts of the game, and then fair play at the end of the game. Phil kind of took it for us, took it from us. Yeah. Um yeah. which is cool, man. Like it's um. It's yeah, I'm super disappointed. It's super hard to like, just be like, eh, yeah, it's fine. I, that was that was real disappointing because I really thought thought we were gonna go get that one, especially after coming back all the way. I think there's a thing of you make it come back. A lot of games you see if you're down big, teams will come back to like down five and then never break through that. But the fact that we got to the other side of that, I thought we, thought we kind of had it there. Yeah, but definitely. It was it was not to be. Um, as I say, fair play. Phil Pratt. Um, he, went in, yeah, he went and got it. Ended up with 26, 9, and 8. A hell of a start line. Yeah. Um, John. Um, John Hernandez is so good at basketball. Is, uh, and in his Bilbao revenge game as well. Yeah, 6 from 13, 8 from 9 free throws, which killed us as well. We send people to the line a lot in this team. And... <laughs> Sure. Teams seem to shoot 80% against it. Um yeah, well no, we shoot we we've sent good free throw shooters to the line and they've made them like yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> like we did last week, we sent Jorge of the line eleven times and he made eight or nine and it was like, well, yeah, he makes free throws. Like, yeah, cool. Um good second half for Massier is one thing I would say. Like he kind of came out a little slow in the beginning. Uh don't really know why, i yeah. Um, second half came out swinging. I was like, all right, here we flip and go. Yeah. Like, he, uh, he came out third quarter and hit a couple of shots and a couple of assists. And I was like, oh, all right, all right. Yeah, we're, we're in business. Of this.
1: 19 assists. Yeah, I was just about to point that out. He, um, even <laughs> in the first half, I think he was scoreless for the first half, or at least hadn't made an actual field goal. He might have made free throws at, um, at halftime, but, yeah, he, even in the first half, was kind of putting up seven or eight assists when he wasn't affecting scoring-wise. Um, It was just one of those things. We've talked about this on various games so far where the league is kind of even enough that one quarter swinging one way or another seems to make the difference in a lot of these games. And you guys ended up like you say, going behind right from the off and worked your way all the way back. But by the, I think by the time you then got to being ahead like you were, had almost kind of run out of either run out of gas or kind of run out of new stuff to throw at them because you'd emptied the, the toolbox along the way.
0: run out of files to give as well. Yeah. Uh, we ended up with uh, Manu on five, Mariana on four, um wait, no, sorry, Mariana on five.
1: Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you That's about that. Because, wrong. Cause she I was looking at this yesterday, she picked up a foul and you subbed in immediately and you went back to your starters, but I couldn't tell if because the stats said that was only a fourth foul, but the sub no, that was five. The sub looked like she'd fouled out. I couldn't work out if you just called the going back to the starters ahead of time to try and swing momentum. No, no, no. I think I don't think we would have. Touched it if we
0: didn't have to, but no. She it says four, but she ended up on five. Manu had four. Asir had four. Gemma and Daniel had four. Also, what a game from Gemma and Daniel. Uh, was I
1: was, I was going to eleven mention. from twelve plus eleven <laughs> in the game we lost. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's mental. He um he came out and your guys you've played your four big a couple of times now and not quite hit the stride with it on a couple of occasions I think, but. He kind of came out and was just playing the wing outside shooter role, which I don't think I've ever really seen him do consistently. But he he kind of dragged you back into the game, hit hit about three or four bank shots in a row on a handful of possessions that kind of closed the gap right back to... Oh, yeah, uh, that man can shoot a bank shot.
0: Um, it's one of those things where it's like you see it in training like it's the you it's the like you you play with guys and you see them do stuff on like a Wednesday that people don't see on a Saturday yeah. you're like no this guy can this guy can make shots man especially like in that four big lineup there's so much attention going towards it. like if Asier is playing a two man game with Manu and you've got Hasso in the middle like you're naturally going to sort of send everything that direction and like if he kind of he plays in the same side as Mariana who isn't going to get as much heat defensively as four bigs he yep. can kind of just sit there and take advantage and he really did man I thought he was going to drag us into it he's obviously he's also a very passionate man he's he's been he's out through and through like he has been for a few years now and I was like oh man this might be the game but no he can't play can't like. bit,
1: bit out of it for that long because he's only about seven weeks old isn't he? <laughs> as, the, as the old folk tale goes only about seven weeks
0: old. It's like, he's like, I think he's 33. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah.
1: He's had gray hair for this is for people listen. He's had like the kind of salt and pepper graying hair for about as long as he's been around, hasn't he? And uh, I think so. I think everyone's always been like, oh, this guy's always played for Bill and has always looked like this. He must be about 50. And then there was various things of like did you know this guy's only 29 or did you know this guy's only 20 and it gradually became like younger and younger each time until he was like basque benjamin button
0: yeah it turned into like do you know this guy is due to be born in three weeks (laughs) (laughs) yeah the age that people said his hair would make him look got older and the age that he actually was got younger to the point was like can you believe he's only 14 seconds old but yeah (laughs) now he had a hell of a game, man. Um yeah, thought we yeah. were gonna drag us back in. There's something very, very sad about like starting a game, playing exclusively the minutes that you get your ass kicked and then getting pulled again yeah. and then going back in to not close the game out. But it's tough, man. Um yeah. yeah, we've got some stuff to figure out in that starting lineup, obviously. Um, and that's that's our job yeah. um for the next week. And then um obviously then there's a bit of a break, but Also, like, Phil just went and got it done. I think I thought this game might have looked a bit like, okay, who can, like, create enough kind of offense on on the perimeter that the other team might have to open up and the four big of each lineup can kind of take advantage. And the answer was Phil went and got it done enough that he was able to take advantage. Salvador... Sandoval had 17 again, John with 23. Like,
1: yeah, Yeah, yeah I mean, we have obviously talked about you guys because we get a lot of insight on how you guys are thinking and feeling. But I've I been, you
0: guys, nothing.
1: I've been, um, probably uh, the more outspoken Madiba critic amongst the two of us. And, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of my kind of skepticism around them was how they were going to execute in the half court because they obviously looked like a really good transition team and I think have been that as they've beaten up on weaker teams. Yeah. Um. But this was easily the best they've executed half court wise Um. in terms of Phil being aggressive and taking and making shots. Um. And the point at which John Hernandez and fouled out, he'd kind of bailed them out of a few possessions and like made some bank shots when the offense had bogged down. So when he fouled out, I was kind of like, I don't think Medebra are going to have enough here. Uh, but there was a stretch of Salvador hitting some fairly consequential bailouts, they had a couple of post-ups and some free throws and stuff. Uh, Phil knocked some bank shots down. And, yeah, they just kind of – they got enough out of their half court offense that they didn't have to rely on. I, it didn't feel like they got a huge amount of transition throughout the game. Um maybe more playing kind of five on four than straight fast break stuff. But the, the half court was good enough to get them through it. Yeah. I think the thing is like, they get down, as you say, it's not like a lot of it isn't
0: two on ones or one on zeros. A lot of it's like four on threes. Okay. We've recovered our ah, cross match, like mismatch. You know what I mean? You think you've got like, you come back and you've got even numbers, but John's on the block against me yeah. and it's like, Hey, we're not, we're not exactly where we need to be, but yeah, I think that's kind of where they get you. Like they're running and gun and they're big enough that we'll find a little cross match. And like Phil will just throw it to any of those guys on a post up against a guard yeah. in transition. You'll trust his guys to, to make those. And I think the thing is like the most important thing isn't the 12 makes for Phil. It's the taking 18 of them. Obviously, going 12 from 18 is nuts, but like taking 18 shots against us is
1: Yeah, and it, it wasn't even just the it wasn't even just the like number of attempts, really. It was, I think he had really good feel for the game in terms of when you guys were getting out ahead, and then John fouled out. Phil came down and just took an early left side. I don't think it was a bank, but like a left side wing shot, like super early in the shot clock, as if to be like, well, if we're gonna get back into this, it needs to be because I'm making this team do something about defending me, which yeah, I think he's been. Unselfish enough to turn down stuff like that in the past, so it's cool to see him kind of having the feel for the game like he did yesterday.
0: Yeah, it's a thing of like he's like a natural like passer and a facilitator because he's so good at that sort of stuff. He loves creating and he's what like he's very very talented with it and works on it a lot. And it's just that thing of like when he gets scoring as well, that doesn't go away either. Like he's not like scoring or facilitating like. He can come into games and be facilitating, but not looking to score. But like that creation part of his brain stays with him, even if he's knocking shots down. So you start jumping and the game just opens up for him, and everyone's a little bit further away than they used to be, or a little bit closer to him than they used to be. And then it just like it looks makes it look easy sometimes, but yeah, sure, it, it's not been no, that that really, really helped him. And yeah, as I say, fair play. He went and took it from us. Well done. Uh, um, yeah, um, so will we talk about the game this morning? The most interesting game of the weekend, we can do.
1: I think my blood pressure has just about recovered from it.
0: Yeah, what a mad game! So, I was, Abacetti, not,
1: I was not prepared for this on a Sunday morning. I'll just Abacetti, <laughs> say
0: 78, Grand Canaria 76 in overtime.
1: Mayhem, so,
0: yeah, complete chaos. So Top scorer is Kyle with 28, Kyle March with 28, Jorge Salazar with 22. Um, yeah, good Emma, you, what were your, I assume you watched this live, like yes. I did. I think yeah. I watched it like 10 minutes behind just so that I could skip like half times and yeah. stuff, but hell of a game. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, the Albacete kind of got out ahead early and Gran Canaria actually missed some relatively makeable shots first quarter um they hit a cup, they probably counteracted it by hitting a couple of big ones. Rose hit a huge like 18 foot post up with a foul. Um, oh, that, was, that was nuts yeah. And yeah, so it was a five point game for Albacetti at the end of one quarter um and then yeah, they kind of stretched it out and Grand Canaria won both quarters in the second half by five points. uh the kind of closing run was jorge salazar getting inside a lot which i've mentioned i think when we did maybe the opening roundup i didn't know if salazar was a good enough or big enough big guy to be the number one big on a team and fill the role that mendel had played in the last couple of years uh it looks like i was wrong on that one so
0: yeah hell of a game man temp- yeah. um temp-
1: and he he muscled a couple of the Albacete guys up. He had a couple of finishes over Ben, and he swatted Lee on the Albacete's last-ditch attempt to go ahead before overtime. Yeah, uh, yeah. But- there's a
0: couple of those, like, when you watch games, when you watch stuff like that, there's a couple of things that, like, obviously the team that comes out in the wrong end of it looks at the ref, and you're like, I wish the stream was good enough quality, and they had different camera angles so I could see if there was actually files or anything going on there, but... No call. Yeah. so fair enough. But yeah, man, ten from seventeen, a hell of a game. Um,
1: yeah, and I think it was it was Alvacete's depth in overtime that was kind of like Albasetti tweaked lineups a lot throughout the game, um, and kind of did Filipski without Gaz, then Gaz and Lee, then Gaz and Filipski. I think they ultimately closed out with with Ben in there as kind of the inside presence. Um, Yeah, they
0: went Gaz and Lee, and then Lee got his fifth foul with a little bit to go. So they had to go without him, which is tough, man. He was seven from nine at that
1: point. Yeah, tough. Tough, Slend. But um, yeah, I thought Grand Canary actually played pretty well. They had a couple of, I think they could have reconfigured their offense a little bit because Albacete were deliberately leaving Luigi Macambo open at the free throw line a lot. Luigi took about 15 or 16 shots, I think. He made some yeah. huge ones. Um, and he seemed to be on a constant cycle of, like, missing two or three. And then every time there was one to swing momentum, he would make that one. Yeah, um, like, if you watched
0: the game and didn't look at the stats, you would have been like, yeah, Luigi shot pretty well. He was six from 15 for the game, which is, like, it's not, yeah. it's not the worst in the world. But it's, like, you need a couple more to make. To make a difference there and it's like just because he hit big ones watching it I'm sure playing against them, you're probably like heartbroken every time one drops because you're like
1: oh yeah. man <laughs> yeah um but no I thought the it was kind of interesting because I think the first quarter Gran Canaria really struggled with moving the ball quick enough to get away from Albacete's defense uh because Albacete obviously jumped really hard and try and send everybody inside into their into primarily lead defending in the paint. Yeah. But I think I think Gran Canaria kind of figured them out in terms of ball movement and were getting at least better shots. And then there was just kind of a case at the end of overtime. I think Rose missed a couple of free throws. Ari missed an open shot from the free throw line, which he basically never misses. And then yeah. Salazar missed a layup and a put back as well, which might have been the difference. So it's like, it's ridiculous that forty-five minutes worth of you know tactical conspiring against each other can come down to a couple of shots rattling out, but that was basically how it went.
0: Yeah, it's make or miss stuff. Can you um explain to me why Gran Canaria took ah no, there you go. Never mind. I was gonna say Grand Canaria took 74 77 shots. Um. Yeah, there you go. I suppose sixty-seven isn't that much lower. I was gonna say I forgot that Amiab took 11 threes I was gonna say why it's such a big difference in in shot numbers, but eleven threes would kind of yeah. get you nearly there. Definitely. Um. Shout, yeah, shout yeah. out! To,
1: shout out to Kyle as well, man, because he's smashing it at the moment. And yeah, man, flying. he got Albasetti out ahead. I think they had nineteen points in the first quarter, and Kyle had. 13 of them, if uh, 11 of them, maybe. Yeah. Um. So. And he he's just doing his thing. He's kind of playing the same game he's played forever and nobody can do a lot about it. Maybe it's what he's got around him this year.
0: Yeah. No, I,
1: th- I think, he, yeah, he's had a lot more freedom
0: and stuff this year, obviously. Like, he's had the ball in his hands a hell of a lot Um, start of this year. And, yeah, he's been killing it, man. Yeah. At 10 from 20, two from five threes. I, I, I just want to, like, mention the very, very cool thing of starting overtime with two threes. He hit one, Gaz hit one, and they were kind of like, Gaz had missed one previously, I think, not long before the end of the regulation, and to just pull one in, in, in the very start of overtime was super cool. Also need to mention the 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 sort of end game on the line with four seconds down two throwing the ball off the front of the rim to get it back to put up a two-point shot actually working for Jorge is very cool
1: that's mental how how often does that happen if you do that like a hundred times what's the success rate of
0: um I have no idea but like that looked very like I have a feeling like if someone was like James we have to do this I'd be like I don't know, man. Like this could go anywhere, but that was like hard off the front of the ring, back to his chest. Like that was was like, it? My, my s- man has practiced this.
1: That was Salazar got the rebound and put it back in, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I think.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. That. It, it was
1: It was obviously planned, but it was like very. It's very difficult to miss the free throw in like practiced enough fashion that you can roughly control who the rebound goes to
0: yeah although like once again like it it just like that was just best case scenario like i wonder as you say how many times it goes exactly there because that's very very hard to control but i also like i was watching it live and i was sitting with anna and i was like they're going to try this but like it never really works but yeah yeah Uh, and obviously the Amiab boys kind of thought that there was a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of people going in early but i don't i don't actually once again i didn't see a massive amount, but I didn't see a whole lot wrong with it. But sure,
1: where do you stand on this? Because I wonder if there's just been enough, um, Amiab and Grand Canaria kind of close games now that there's some not bad blood, but there's some competitive fire. Let's say I got, I was chatting to one of the Amiab guys after the game, and they were like, Grand Canaria are only good because they play to 17 points. Uh, yeah, that's something that I heard last year, and it is true. Like, well, it is like true, but also
0: points. you're also allowed to. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, the rule is there for you to do that. Like, it's not, it's not their fault that they've picked the best players to leverage that rule.
0: Yeah, like the, the one of the great inefficiencies in wheelchair basketball in terms of things to exploit is points reductions. Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah, like, yeah. if you're telling me that I can play more guys that are. 21 and 11 months old 11 <laughs> a month. you know what I mean like it's like yeah The and to be fair then the rule comes around and bites people when we when Spanish teams go and play Euroleague and don't get the reduction Yeah, uh, like that has been a problem for years so yeah, yeah. No. Um, but yeah no like I, I heard that I heard that all summer um, I've, it's, it's, I've it's, heard
1: it a couple uh, of times but it's like so the, the people with the reductions for, if anyone is listening and hasn't kind of hasn't put two and two together, the people with the reductions are Rose getting a point and a half off for being a woman and Ari getting a point off for being a junior, and yeah, like there's no other contending team where it, if it was like, hey, do you want Rose Holloman and Ari Twide for this whatever they're being paid in Grand Canaria and slot them into your team and get the points reductions. Nobody's going to be like, well, no, because we don't believe in playing to seventeen points. He was <laughs> like, yes, please, we'll have them.
0: Yeah, and then but it's like I guess uh, the way to like look at that is if you go, Jorge is an, Im- an immovable object in that team. So say you go, Jorge is a four, both of those guys is three fives. What do you have left to play with? Two and a one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like,
0: so. Does that team get it done on any like? real level. I think I think it gets it done against some teams. But yeah, I think, I think it is. If you look at the two other guys they play are a 3-5 centre and maybe the tallest 2-5 in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, like I think those guys like a, that team with a 2-1 struggles for size at least. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: I think they do, but also Rose will always be female and Ari won't be a junior forever, but by the time he's not a junior, he'll be a more than competent 3-5, so it's not like you're bending the rule to like an incredible degree you're just like we found the best woman and junior player available to us and we make it work yeah like my whole thing is
0: like i i'm i was on board with it for two years and i'm not not on board with it now that i've left like we have manu who is a three who plays as a two like it is like the rule is there to be used like the rule you can change it if you want like there's a thing of like i think teams that don't use it can be a bit like ah like we don't need that you're like well well okay then but like, yeah, then that's the last we're going to talk about it. <laughs> like if this better not come up again, but like, yeah, it's true. They played a 17 and a half. We played to 17 and a half last year or 17. Sorry. Yeah. It's um, yeah, uh, it's, sorry. it's
1: a weird one. The argument doesn't really make any sense in my head. But it's, I think it's a people probably don't like it because their team isn't built that cohesively or something. I don't know. But it's, yeah. If you want to
0: hear us actually analyzing the pros and cons of the junior reduction, go back and check out our Champions Cup review from last year. I also think we oh, yeah. spoke a little bit about it with the Matt Scott episode. Yes. Um, so, yeah, go back and check those out if you want. Because You have, you have a way better got...
1: memory for this stuff than I do. <laughs> Thanks.
0: Um, yeah, go, Yeah. we actually go in depth about it whether it's harmful to teams who then have to go to Champions Cup and not play their lineups or whatever. (laughs) Or whatever, he says.
1: Right, that's it for Spain. Shall we have a quick rattle around elsewhere?
0: Yes. So, most exciting thing that happened in any other country, I believe. I say in any other country. I mean in any of two other countries or three other countries who have wheelchair basketball leagues. (laughs) Um, The Italian Cup final was on. Yep. But it wasn't streamed anywhere except on Rai Sport, which is illegal to access outside of Italy. And since we would never do that.
1: And definitely don't have NordVPN installed.
0: Con- yeah, considering I didn't originally get NordVPN to watch DB play USA in Italy two summers <laughs> ago. Um, yeah, no, we didn't watch that because we, we couldn't, is basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... But yeah, shout out to Santa Stefano, man. They have kind of, the Italian league's gone through a lot of shifts at this point, and Santa Stefano had initially kind of gotten rid of a lot of their foreign players and turned themselves into the centre for junior development. Yeah. Um, they've got a couple of foreigners back in. Now there's one English guy who's there, shout out to Ollie Griffith Salter, who popped up on the stat sheet, had no idea he was abroad. I thought he was Welsh. Yeah, same thing. British, anyway. Yeah, English and Welsh are the same, like more so than any of the other countries in the UK. Yes, you're right. I say that all the time. Yeah. I wouldn't be allowed to say that. Um, but yeah, he's there. Um, Dimitri Tang here, the Belgian guy, has been there for ages. But the vast majority of their team is just Italian guys who they've coached up from being juniors. So <laughs> shout out to them um, winning copper Italia and beating Cantu, who again are mostly Italian guys at this point um
0: Italian guys in segar and Sophie Cargill I believe
1: yeah that's basically which it. is like hey this team's gonna be full
0: of Italian people and then two English people guess who they are that's like a strange combination
1: but well, Sega being from Barnsley as well <laughs> would seem like the weirdest fit on an Italian team but he I think he's an Italian citizen at this point isn't he? yeah yeah
0: he's married and living in italy and has like has been working in italy and has italian kids like yeah also i think his italians like near flawless apparently it's just very funny to hear him switch
1: yeah uh i think i've heard him doing an interview in italian as well and it's like what's going on <laughs> how does this guy with this accent sound so musical when he switches languages
0: yeah
1: uh, um italian what 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 a language what a place uh, allora. um so yeah, San Stefano win that one. 62-57 in overtime.
0: Low scoring game. I'm actually I might actually try and find that somehow, like get in touch with someone on one of the teams and be like, have you guys got a recording of it?
1: Yeah, it's definitely worth getting a hold of. Um, I'm sure Sega probably has access to it if if nothing else. Ask
0: some of the people on the team that won, because they'll be like, Yeah, we have it. Does anyone <laughs> want to see it? But can't you guys might be like, Yeah, we burned it.
1: <laughs> I say that as if a
0: recording of a video is a physical thing anymore, but you know,
1: yeah, we burned the old VHS tape.
0: Um, we burned it. It's now on a CD. Wow, that's even outdated. Wow, <laughs> I can't even make a joke.
1: So, yeah, uh, well done, San Stefano. Obviously, the Coppa Italia is just kind of a standalone tournament based on results of last year. So it's a bit of a nothing that's happened in the Italian league so far, really attends as to who gets to qualify or any of the seeding or anything Um, but I think the fact that it's kind of a mini tournament and ended up with a Cantu versus San Stefano showdown probably shows us the way forward for the Italian league this year.
0: I would say so that's where my money would have been by the end of the year
1: unless um, Adolfo Berdun has anything to say about it with Giulianova but that probably remains to be seen. Yeah Cool. Shall we do Germany real quick?
0: Cool. Yeah, let's rattle through Germany.
1: Good. Okay, so let's start with our favorite. This isn't really a segment, is it? But our favorite gimmick. So let's see. Trier scored 44 points in a 44-88 to 88 loss against Landil. How many points did Dirk Passivan have?
0: Uh, so I was speaking to Yannick about this more recently than we have spoken to him on this podcast. Yeah. Um, he was on the phone to Hasso and I was like, I, I told him that we have a, how many is past one, I'm going to score a bit. And he was like, well, I hope not many because even like whether we win or not, like considering we've spent a full week talking about how to not let one guy go off on us. Like <laughs> I hope he doesn't have that many, but if they only had 44, I'm going to go 20, 22.
1: You're actually a bit high on this one. He had seventeen, so oh, good yeah. job, Landilli.
0: You've managed to stop the, you've managed to stop the the inevitable flood of points that yeah. come in from that guy, the one man wrecking crew.
1: Um, he's amazing because he's like forty something as well, isn't he? Like he's, he's an older guy. But he, he bet the thing is, he's like we. I think we use wheelchair Jokic for a lot of comparisons for various. I've called Asier wheelchair Jokic in. Various scenarios, but Passavans almost like Jokic, like in how much he is determined to not move to get the job done. He's like, "Yeah, I'm kind of behind the screen. Oh, they want me to take one dribble off. What if I fake a dribble and then shoot it immediately?"
0: Yeah, like, it, just the thing of like get him just inside the three point line with the ball above his head. <laughs> you might be in some dribble.
1: <laughs> economy of bucket getting that should be Passavans. Um, Autobiography title. If you ever I was write going it. to
0: hey, write a book, sir. Yeah, show me um, up
1: for Landil, twenty-six for Hirokaze, eighteen for Tommy Boma, and fourteen for Brian Bell. That's basically the same three that kind of carried the scoring load against Thuring last week. So, not that we're really giving any trade secrets away when it's like, hey, Landil have got guys who can put points up. Um, I don't think any. Teams particularly well equipped to swallow up those three guys and stop all three of them getting off. But
0: no, they are the only team that'll ever have a chance. Um yeah. in, in Germany at the very least.
1: Yeah. So yeah, 88-44 win to Landhill. So well done to them. It probably feels a little bit anticlimactic after um the nail bite last week.
0: Uh that's kind of just what playing in the leagues
1: yeah to, to i don't do think that, i, I would, don't think we'll be drafting yannick back in to talk us through this one in excruciating detail no
0: <laughs> we won't make him do that make him that's funny as if we could just force a man
1: to come on a podcast we definitely could um right so next one i caught a good bit of this was hanover and munsterland um I'd not really given them a lot of credit because I think we talked about how Germany's a very clear top two and then everybody else. But I think I'm of the opinion that Hanover have guys, at the very least, and Mariska, who okay. I was using guys to be like real basketball players, but guys and also best women's player in the world probably. Yeah,
0: they have non-gender specific term guys, which <laughs> is moralized people. Yeah, uh, yeah, man, they've got they've got some people that know what they're doing. Like yeah, sure. Um obviously an absolute baller. Um, so
1: Mariska with eleven, um, Jan Gans with eleven, Jan Sadler with twenty-one, and the new guy who just arrived this week, I think, uh, Amit Vigoda had eight, but he was kind of running the show straight off the bat. Um I I think he came in mid second quarter and was like, Hey, give me the ball and I'll I'll take control of things, which is mad considering I think he's 20 or 21. Yeah, he's a young guy anyway. Well, he's done college, hasn't yeah.
0: he? So 22. Um, really. Like, yeah, just coming in and being like, hey, don't worry, I've got
1: it. Still yeah. like I'm literally like hey. I, he shows up with a suitcase in one hand and it's just like, hey, yeah, I
0: got it. It's fine.
1: I know you've got yourselves through six games already, but don't worry, guys. I'm here now. Um, yeah, they I would say I don't think Munster Land are the strongest of competition, but I would probably pick Hannover to be the third best team in Germany, um, between them and maybe Wiesbaden, but I don't think Wiesbaden have looked massively convincing from what I've seen of them so far. No.
0: Um, Do do you know when Hannover and Wiesbaden
1: play? I I don't, because the German site is, shall we say, minimalist. And in German. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the German site looks like. you ever
0: get you click on something and it kind of like freaks out made loading and it shows you like a 1998 version of the website by accident? Kind yeah. of. Like
1: the German league website looks like that now, but we'll um we'll try and find that out. Actually, because that'd be worth knowing. I'd I'd be quite intrigued to watch that. Anyone um,
0: who's listening that happens to know that, please let us know. Yeah, definitely. Um definitely. Anyone who's listening to this and speaks in German, that would be helpful too. Yeah, I there, uh,
1: I'm talking to you. <laughs> I can't remember off the top of my head. Are Hanover doing Euro Cup? Because they I don't remember either. Sorry. They strike me as an in, intriguing Euro Cup team. which I'll have a look into that definitely. I can I've seen the Euro League groups like a handful of times, but every time I try and picture it, I just see like I can list the ten teams that I know for a fact do Euro League every year and can't really tell you where most of them are.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's just such. a... There's so many teams involved in so many different pools yeah, now. Like I. Don't know. I know that we're hosting one EuroLeague one finals.
1: Yeah, mayhem. I
0: know I don't have to
1: go anywhere in February. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, So next next game, Thuringen and Cologne. This one was out of hand. Very. It was about twenty to sixteen at one point. I think late first quarter, and it escalated extremely quickly from there. Um, yeah, I think uh, the last time it was like near close, it was like 22, 33 or something. Yeah. And then it was like, yeah, up, up and away. Yeah. Um, so Thuringan 103, Cologne, 54. Oh my goodness. So um, yeah, Thuringan get six guys in double digits and an eight and a seven thrown in there. So Jordy Ruiz with 24, 11 for B-neck, um, 16 for Dylan Fishbach, 10 for Vahid. And 13 for Haluski. And then, yeah, 8 and 7 from Carly Spodniks and Jens Halbrodt. So that is another one that you're like, gunned to your head one second. What does that add, add up to? I'd be like, 74? <laughs> <laughs> um, And then, yeah, Cologne got 20 from Joe Beswick and 13 from Thomas Raya. But Cologne kind of live and die with Joe and for as much as Joe has shown his skills as kind of an all three level scorer at this point, it's tough to get it done when you're the main big, the main ball handler and they can roll Haluski and Vahid out against you.
0: Yeah. And also the thing is like, if you're also that massive on your ball handling, like they have the ability to just put like a Jordi Ruiz on your foot plate at 30 feet and be like, all right, cool. Get rid of the ball. I dare you come and pick. We'll send someone else. Like you know, if someone comes and sends a pick for you that high, and then the person who you're coming off a pick towards is Halusi, you're going to have a bad yeah. time. You're like, oh,
1: good, now I'm double teamed, thirty feet away. Yeah, yeah, it's um tough, tough going, tough going, going for Glenn. At that level. But Just teams are too good at like
0: one scorer, like defending a team with one scorer. Like teams are too smart for that stuff. Not yeah, definitely that's not I'm not giving the other guys enough credit, maybe, but like a team that lives and dies with one guy, like good teams will figure that out and have figured that out for years now.
1: Yeah. Like, actually, and the, on top of that, they got Thuring and coming off a what was probably a stinger of a loss. So yeah, yeah so someone
0: yeah. was getting a hundred. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was that one. Um So we'll jump to our last one we're going to do in the roundup, and that is Wiesbaden-Rhine-River-Rhinos against ING Skywheelers. So this one is 58-51 to to Rhine-River-Rhinos, excuse me. Um, I didn't get to catch this one because it took place this morning at the same time as the insanity that was going on in Albacete. But, yeah, not a bad performance from Rhine-River-Rhinos getting... Twenty from Matthias Gunter, fifteen from Louis Hardwan, and twelve from Aaron Young. I forgot
0: league. that Louis Hardouin went there. I always forget that he's gone there. That's cool. Let's pick up.
1: He, he's another one who's bounced around a ton. Uh, each country seems to have like one guy who's like, "Hey, I'm not just happy playing in the country where I am from. I'm going to go to this place, then this I'm place, then go this find place." Some
0: stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, he's a good, he's a good player, man. Good shooter. Um, but yeah, fifteen for him, twenty for Matthias, and twelve for Aaron is probably going to get it done in a game decided in the fifties. Um, oh yeah, for sure. And yeah, they Nico Dreimuller had sixteen for Skywheelers, and they got eleven and twelve from Tim Diedrich and Christoph Spitz. But this again is the three scorer thing that we talked about. Um, you know, for the for the less heavily rostered teams can you get three guys to carry the load and effectively ryan Riveranos did that plus got an eight from chase wolf which is a badass name if we're yes. pausing to acknowledge that um they got an extra does that sound eight. like oh yeah no it's <laughs> um they got an extra eight from him in a game they won by seven where this kind of main cast of guys played each other to a draw near enough so yeah that makes a difference someone can chip in with more than two yeah (laughs) so yeah that's our roundup do you have anything correction section wise for me um not for you you said you had one for me and i'm sad about it already (laughs) i think it was a genuine slip of the tone but you when we recorded with yannick on monday you said that was it monday we did yannick i can't remember monday or tuesday um you said that Thuringen had won Champions Cup last year, which
0: Oh yeah, they didn't. You're they right.
1: didn't. They lost to Landil in the Champions Cup final and then beat them twice in a row in the German.
0: Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, I I either forgot that or slipped up. Yeah. Um yeah.
1: So uh, I hope you can live with that.
0: I probably can. Lived with everything else. <laughs>
1: I've lived with everything else that's happened so far. (laughs) Yeah, you'll probably manage. Um, Yeah, last thing we put out a load of stuff on our Instagram earlier this week, kind of asking about people's insights for what they want from episodes and what we can provide going forward to coax people into listening. Uh, So, cheers for anybody who partook in that. And we're going to try and get rolling on enacting your feedback at some point relatively soon Um, but regardless of that we're only like a week into November and our listens are going up and up so thank you to anybody who's making the effort and I've even had a couple of people telling me they're sharing it kind of every chance they get with anyone who'll listen so if you're those people thanks a lot if you're not those people be those people. Yeah I think that's
0: the thing where it's like the social media Part of it is still quite insular. Like we probably have more people finding the social media from the podcast than the other way around. Yeah. So I think this would actually, it's a small enough thing that would grow by word of mouth as much as anything else. So if you're the sort of person that likes listening to people talk nonsense about wheelchair basketball and you know, other people that might be into something similar, please let them know. Cause yeah, that's kind of how these, how these things happen and. It's not that we're dying to make this grow into something massive but it's just like we enjoy doing this and we enjoy that other people who are into this sort of stuff get some sort of a kick from it and obviously the more we can bring that to people the better because then kind of rolls into more feedback into more improvements into us having a better time and hopefully you guys have a better time listening to it so
1: yeah, man. And the, the ultimate goal is to build somewhere we can actually call Bench Units HQ rather than just referring to wherever we happen to plonk our laptops and microphones and be like, okay, this is Bench Units HQ for the next hour. Yes.
0: Our goals are Bench Units HQ and to blow up and act like we don't know nobody, to quote a Vine. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, no. Cool. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend to tell a friend. And yeah, until next time.
1: Thanks a lot, guys. All the best. Bye.